Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling. 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Trubisky's going to run it, and he is going to get a first down! How about Trubisky to the 42-yard line? Oh, my goodness! In the ring, Steamboat's got him up! A slam! The player inside Crane, one, two! He did it! He did it! He's going to make The player has done it! The player has done it! <laughs> Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome in to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 10 o'clock tonight. We are open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. In 10 minutes, we will get to the Chicago Bears. They were down in Bourbon A today for practice, Abdallah. But we must kick things off this evening with the Chicago Cubs. Lots of news today, and especially on the injury front with Craig Kimbrell going to the IL. And then also Contreras is probably going to be out for four weeks. Yeah, so Contreras has a strained hamstring, and uh, he is going to be out for four weeks, like you mentioned. Uh, He's going to go to the 10-day IL, but obviously that's going to be much longer than 10 days. And Craig Kimbrell felt some discomfort and some swelling in his knee, and he is also going to be placed on the 10-day IL. But from what he said to reporters, it should just be 10 days. He's still going to be able to play catch and throw. He just can't pitch. Uh, like he can't be in games for 10 days because they want to get that swelling down and take care of it now. He said it was something that he could probably deal with and manage, but you might as well, you've got two months left of the season, you might as well shut it down for 10 days and see if you can get this thing under control before it gets too bad and you miss him for the rest of the season. So, yeah, since the debut on June 27th for Craig Kimbrell, uh, he has nine of the 10 saves for the team. Uh, he is, uh, right now, he has a career-worst ERA of 5.68 in his uh, turn as Cubs closer this season. And the thing that I kind of look at with this whole conversation is clearly uh, the Cubs could have solved this issue in the offseason. Instead, they waited, right? They didn't have the money. They didn't have the budget in the offseason, so they waited until the season. And then the Ben Zobris thing kind of took place, and he's not with the team, so they found some money, and all of a sudden you got money even though you have money. Right, like if you read between the lines, the Cubs have money. They just don't didn't want to spend it on this team this season unless they had to. They were forced to do it because the bullpen wasn't good. It was the weakest link of this team throughout this season to this point. So now you look at Kimbrell. He comes in June twenty seventh. He's only been here for about a month, a little over a month. You've only seen him for a handful of times, and now he's already injured going to the IL. Obviously, he said right. If it were the playoffs, he would pitch through this. I'm concerned based on the fact that this is not the playoffs and he has to take an IL stint, and this is a difficult season to begin with. The Cardinals and the Brewers are hot on your heels. You haven't been playing great baseball over the last three months, and you need to be playing your best baseball from here going forward. You're going to need a closer. We know this. 
Save percentage, you're 14th in the National League this season in save percentage. So you will need Craig Kimbrell, but him going out for 10 days, if not longer, is going to be a major problem for this team. I think it's better that they deal with it now rather than try to manage it and try to, you know, oh, well, he can go this day, but he can't go this day. Because the worst thing you want to do, the last thing you want to do is make this get any worse. And then let's say, you know, in six weeks this happens and then he's out for four weeks and then he's just out for the playoffs. Because then what was the point of well, signing yes, him in the first obviously place? Obviously, you want to take care of it now so mm-hmm. it's not a bigger problem later. The point I'm making is that it's a problem that it's a problem to begin with. Did that make any sense to anyone listening to this? Yeah, Do you, you made, see what I'm saying? Like, it's a problem because it, they need it him now. It made sense, but this is something that, that could, you don't know if this is something that happened because he started late or or because they, they used him over use well, right okay. now once he came, once he joined clearly, the team. he hasn't been pitching to what he was as a Hall of Fame closer, right? No. As you start up halfway through the season. The, the career worst ERA? Like, like come on, you can kind of put all this stuff together, no? You're, or, or are people going to just blindfully go along with this and say, oh, say, it's look, fine, we'll figure it, it out. You can say it was his career worst ERA, but if this was the beginning of the season, you wouldn't be saying, oh, it's his career worst ERA no, you because know he'd have a lot saying. more time. You know what you'd be saying? You'd hmm. be saying, well, you know, last year the Red Sox went away from him in the playoffs as a closer yeah. because they saw what was happening to his arm. That's yeah. what you would say if this were April or May. You'd say, okay, maybe the Red Sox knew something. And maybe that's why other teams didn't sign him and the Cubs waited until, you know, halfway through the season to sign him. But ultimately, your closer's down. Now it's going to be a closer by committee situation. You have to deal with it, whether it's it's going to be C-Sheck or, uh, or whoever it is. Uh, Chatwood could get some, some work there. So it could be a, a lot of people for the next 10 days. But ultimately, he feels like he'll be back in 10 days and be fine. And then our, our, our 10 days without a closer nightmare will be over. Let's hear from Craig Kimbrell before the game. This is uh, Kimbrell talking about the injury. I think when you look at the options of uh, pushing through it and then it becoming something um, that I would be able to deal with um, rather than giving it a rest. And if it's still the same, uh, monitoring it from there until the end of the year. Um, it's just it's a smart decision just to let it rest. Um, like I said, then it's a bigger deal. You don't think it's going to take longer than the days I take it? No, I do not. No. As far as your timeline, I know you were feeling like you were pretty close to where you wanted to be at this point. Um, does it hamper that at all? No, I'll still be able to play catch and, and uh, stay in a rhythm and more um, but as in, you know, obviously running um, and doing things like that, you know, it's going to be you know, kind of slow. Following up on what Kelly said, how close did you feel you were Craig Kimball again? Uh, Timing-wise, I, I was getting real close. I was feeling really good. Uh, I was still some some pretty good fastballs. I was getting a good spin on my breaking ball. And th- those are all signs that I'm staying back on the ball and, uh, and getting out front really well. And uh, I was starting to do that. And, uh, I'm fortunate that I'm about to take a little break, but uh, it's going to be something that hopefully it's a good thing. Um, I can get feeling better, and then uh, guys can hold it down until I get back. That's Craig Kimbrell before the game as he heads to the IL, the 10-day IL after the uh, the injury and the right knee inflammation they felt after the game yesterday. So Chris Black and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. The other piece of news, uh, Wilson Contreras, the all-star catcher, will miss four weeks with a strained right hamstring. The team announced on Monday. Jesse Rogers reported it earlier in the day as well on ESPN.com. So Contreras is placed on the 10-day injured list on Sunday, but the reports are it will be at least four weeks for Contreras. 
that is a major problem for this Cubs team, too, because remember, you get Nick Casillas into the lineup and the offense looks good all weekend and you're playing well against the Brewers. Now you remove one of the core four from this lineup, and that's going to be a problem as well going forward for well, the Well, it's also a depth issue because they traded Martin Maldonado uh, before the trade deadline, and so they were short a catcher. John Heyman literally just reporting as we're talking that the Cubs are considering Jonathan Lucroy with Contreras out. Uh, he says that there's a need. So the Cubs are looking at other uh, catcher options, but for right now it's going to be uh, Victor Caratini, and they, they called up another catcher who's been with the uh, with the club before. I believe Taylor Davis. Taylor Davis. Yeah, he had a grand slam earlier in the season. So they have guys that have been on the club before. Victor Caratini uh, is a decent enough catcher, but ultimately Wilson Contreras' offense, he's one of the better catchers in the game, and his offense will be missed for four weeks. And I mean, it's a hamstring. Like, the, it, like you can say it's four weeks, but it could be. It could not heal all the way. And Jesse reporting that he he's been doing a lot of isometrics to to keep himself and his hamstrings uh, stronger, and that's why he was so frustrated. And that's why you saw the frustration of the injury. And he wasn't. It wasn't you know screaming out in pain. It was frustration that this had happened because of all the work he's been putting in. And we heard last year. His problem was that he stopped doing the work. Like that was part of all of the Cubs' problem. He just Isn't that stopped. Amazing. He just was just like, "Nah, I'm good." But well, this uh, year I mean, he was like, putting in the work. Maybe, maybe put. Maybe he was putting in too much work. I don't know. Maybe well, he's putting in too much work. I don't know if it's the too much work thing, but if no, you put not. it into context of what what this whole season's all about, remember Theo Epstein on October the third said this. I don't think there's some sort of fatal flaw at all in the clubhouse. I just think if we're being honest about it, you know, as John Lester said, maybe this will be good for us because if you just show up, playing it cool, knowing you're talented, knowing it's a long season. And trusting that the talent will manifest over the course of 162, sometimes you end up one game short. The definition of playing it cool is what Wilson Contreras said in the offseason to Kelly Kroll on NBC Sports Chicago when Mm -hmm. he said that he just stopped trying and stopped working out last season. That's the epitome of acting too cool. Now, it's good to see Wilson Contreras having a great season for the Chicago Cubs. He's 27. He's batting 275, 19 home runs, 57 RBI so far this season. Again, an all-star. He is definitely a major piece of this offense going forward, and he's having a great bounce-back season. Hopefully, he can get past this injury. They're going to need him here in this stretch run, just like Craig Kimbrell, just like Ben Zobris, just like uh, Brandon Morrow, if they somehow can get him back. Who are those those last two? Who are those guys? Those are two individuals that haven't been around the club this entire season, but it seems as if Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein are still banking on getting something from both of them, especially Ben Zobris, who who knows if Mm -hmm. he'll show up or not. And and that's what puts this whole Cubs situation kind of into an interesting uh, thing to look at because this is a difficult stretch run. You are not just guaranteed to win this division. Mm-hmm. The St. Louis Cardinals are playing good baseball. The Brewers, you just swept. But they're not like four or five games back. They're still lurking, right, in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Yet you have all of this now starting to take place. Now, what you really have to hope for is good health and, and players to perform to their, their baseball card, the back of the card, going forward, right? Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, don't slump now. You're going to need them down the stretch, and God forbid one of them gets hurt. 
Because if this starts to pile, then you could really see things go in a negative way. Well, Chris, they're at home, so they're going to sweep the A's here, a good team. Uh, they're going to sweep a very good team. But then you go on the road, and that's where I think that this team obviously has lacked production. That's where this team is going to try to make their hay. They have to go to Cincinnati for four games. They're 5-7 and seven against the Reds so far this season, the only team in their division that they have a losing record against. So it's going to be tough. You have 10 games on the road after this, after these three games here against the uh, the A's. Uh, as Kyle Hendricks is on tonight, so it's gonna you're gonna it's it's gonna be a tough stretch, and then you have to wait to get these guys back. Who's gonna step up? Is Chris Bryant gonna step up and be the MVP candidate that we've seen before? Is Anthony Rizzo gonna continue to be uh, basically the captain of this team and have a stellar season? Is Javi Baez gonna come out of his slump? Has he finally turned uh, turned it on after having a decent series against the, the Brewers this this weekend? Who is gonna make up for the production for Wilson Contreras and who in the bullpen is going to step into the closer role for Craig Kimbrell. A lot of questions that you don't want to have as a Cub fan within the last two months of the season. Yeah, especially with the the closer position, a a problem that you thought you solved, right? Yeah. Like you like this was a problem, and, and you, you threw go out, money at it. You go out, yeah, the money that wasn't there, you, but you, you found the money, money anyway because it. you know, remember Rick had said there was no budget, no budget, no money, right? Well, yeah, you had to get rid of you, oh. Darvish's translator. Uh, I mean, there's the also man had to learn English. But remember, there's always there's always money in the banana they stand, go. which is Wrigley Field, Gallagher mm-hmm. Way, no. everything in Wrigleyville. Trying to find some money for the family. There's always money in the banana stand. We don't have the money, Pop. All his money in the banana stand. And so Michael, his son, and his brother together enjoyed the cathartic burning of the banana stand. There was money in that banana stand. Well, it's all gone now, Dad. There's $250,000 lining the walls of the banana stand. Why didn't you tell me that? How much clearer can I say there's always money in the banana stand? No touching! No touching! That's from Arrested Development, the mm-hmm. show on Fox, and then also became a hit on Netflix. I mean, remember, the Cubs always have money. There's no budget, Tom Ricketts. There's always money in a banana stand. Come on, we've seen what Wrigleyville has turned into. There is money up there. There's always money in a banana Some stand. People. So Some the news, right uh, don't like it. Uh, the news, as you get into your car this uh, evening, uh, as we keep our eye on the Cubs and the A's tonight, uh, Craig Kimbrell on the IL 10-day with a right knee inflammation. Wilson Contreras also on the 10-day injured list, uh, but Jesse Rogers reporting on ESPN.com that he could miss four weeks with a strained right hamstring. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdal. We will check in with Jesse Rogers for in-game updates at the bottom of each hour tonight, 730, 830, and 9.30. Live from Wrigley Field as we uh, keep our eyes on the Cubs and A's throughout the evening here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdal. Let's switch to this. Uh, Bears camp today in Bourbon A. All the shows were down there. Cap and Company, Carmen and Yurko, and Waddle and Sylvie. Yeah. A big day at Bears training camp, and the fans got to see the offense on the field. And once again, and where I start this, Abdal, is... We have now heard for consecutive days that the offense looked a little bit sloppy and the quarterback looked a little bit sloppy. One Mitch Trubisky, uh, Bears quarterback. Uh, uh, Chris, I would like to. I would prefer if you said that the defense looked crisp today in practice. The defense I'd has, prefer, uh, by all um, uh, reports from a Dan Weeder, a Jeff Dickerson, a uh, Kevin Fishbane, a uh, Patrick Finley. All the reports so far in camp is that the Bears defense is set to be one of the best in the league and they look sharp every day i would prefer you say that the, the defense the, the the strength of this team the defense the prince of mukamaras of the world that joined uh, cap earlier today have looked sharp 
I hear that uh, that Khalil Mack is, is a disruption in practice. He's a force to be reckoned with. That Akeem Hicks is performing. That Eddie Jackson is performing well. That's what I prefer uh, to focus on as we enter the final week of training camp and head to that first uh, preseason game oh, on Thursday. Right. Well, I'm, I'm going to live in the real world over oh, here oh, oh, uh, okay. on this side of the studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so l- let's just do an exercise because, remember, this is training exercise. camp. And I get it. It's practice. Okay. I get it. But Matt training Na- camp practice, which is like the practice of a practice. But Matt Nagy has told us that the preseason games are not going to matter for the starters. No. So you will see nothing from the starters, for the most part, Mm-mm. in these preseason games. So thus, the practice does matter to an extent mm-hmm. to being ready for opening night against the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's going to matter. You're going to have to play well at some point, right? Okay, so if the Bears have 14 days of training camp this year, down at Olivet Nazarene in Bourbonnais, mm-hmm. Illinois, mm-hmm. 14 days of camp. Five of the days are closed to reporters and to fans. So of the 14, five are closed from anyone seeing what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. Okay? All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that leaves nine days for reporters and fans to see. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So so camp started on the 27th, 28th, 29th. All open, and it seemed like Trubisky and oh. everything was good, right? Like I got, every, I got tons of rolling. tweets. Yeah. I got tons of that's my quarterback tweets. Look at this. That's my quarterback. Look, all this offseason work has paid yeah. off. Yeah, cherry pick a that's highlight my, here. That's cherry my pick quarterback. A, a highlight there on Bears.com. Yeah, I got it. Uh, the 30th and the, the 31st both closed mm. to the public, okay? By so, all accounts. So nothing. Probably went well. Yeah, yeah, the sure. defense was probably crisp. Then we get to last week, Thursday and Friday. And by all reports, the offense did not look good, and Trubisky did not look good mm-hmm. on Thursday and Friday. Now, Soldier Field was uh, the night on Saturday night for family night, mm-hmm. and all reports, okay, yeah, everything was fine. Was fine. Was right. There was a nice throw that Bears.com put out there for everyone to see on oh, social that's media. That's my quarterback. Uh, if you actually uh, take a look at the feet, that's uh, my I don't think that would have been a touchdown in a game, but it was a nice throw anyway. Uh, you got to get two feet down in, in my NFL. I don't know about yours. Just just what I, I was told. I don't think the feet were down. Do you guys think on the other side of the glass, Eric and Sean, were the feet down on the, the highlight Trubisky bomb throw to uh, Javon Wims? I don't think he had the good toe tap, to be yeah, honest. See, I didn't I think, see the drag I think one we're, bit. We're missing it at the end. Did he even hold on to the ball? That was, yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay, so uh, see, there you go. We uh, have replay in now, practice on, on family Sunday, night? Sunday... Camp was closed. Closed camp. I don't even think they did anything. I think it was an off day. Today, practice, and by reports from Jeff Dickerson here on ESPN 1000, sloppy once again. No, the defense was crisp. From the offense. Defense was crisp. And from the quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. Defense crisp. Okay, so let me ask you guys this. 14 days of camp. Nine of them are what the public and reporters can see. And of three of the last four days of camp, He's been not good. He's been bad. And as Abdallah says, the defense has been crisp. So now you're counting games no, no, no. Hold it. Can, as can opposed I finish? to, okay, yeah, yeah. Do you mind yeah. if I finish? Yeah, go ahead. You can finish. So what I want to ask you is, how should we feel about this? Oh, that was it? You're just going to ask me how I feel? I was about well, to tell you how I feel. No, because here, here's why. If you read enough information across the National Football League, you will see today headlines that Kyler Murray is not only walking into the huddle knowing the offense better than any quarterback that they've seen come into an offense for the Arizona Cardinals, 
Larry Fitzgerald is the one quoted in saying this in the story, but that he knows the offense just as well as Cliff Kingsbury knows the offense as they're implementing it in Arizona. And people are raving today about Kyler Murray. You will also see out of Jets camp, people raving about Sam Darnold in year two, picking up that Jets offense with an offensive-minded head coach, Adam Gase, Mm -hmm. and things starting to move in the right direction. And we all know the the most hyped team this offseason, the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. We've seen stories throughout training camp about Baker's arm, what he's doing with that offense, and what they're looking to do come the NFL season. So I ask you guys this, is if you see young stars like a Kyler Murray, a Sam Darnold, a Baker Mayfield, and you see all this positive conversation about them, but yet when we look here in Chicago at our star quarterback, why is it he is struggling here in the second week of camp and he's struggling and not just like one bad throw here, one bad throw there, it's three or four days, the offense hasn't looked good. And I get the Bears' defense is great. But the offense should look okay, too. Well, how should we feel about that? That's my question to you at 312-332-3776. Well, Chris, I think, I, think you, I think you need to look at the intricacies of what's going into practice and the installation and what Matt Nagy is looking to install and what Chuck Pagano is looking to install. And they're not actually seeing the same looks. The defense is working on different things. The offense is working on different things. And, you know, when you're doing seven-on-sevens, you're not really running, so you have to throw the ball to someone. And when you're throwing the ball to someone, you got to make a throw. We're not just practicing here to not throw the ball. What is he going to do, tuck the ball and run on a seven-on-seven? No, so... So what you're going to do is you're going to see, you know, Trubisky going against the number one defense. And they're not only are they the Bears' number one defense, because they are the number ones, but they're the number one defense in the NFL. And when you go against the number one defense in the NFL, you're going to struggle. But that struggles aren't a problem because you're not going to go against the number one defense in the league every single week because obviously the Bears aren't going to play themselves yes. uh, every yeah. single week. They're we going actually, to be playing. We broke that news yesterday yeah. on the show. Yeah, Black and Abdallah, playing... 8 to 10 on uh, Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every we Sunday. broke that story. Yeah. They're going to be playing uh, other teams. <laughs> so when they play other teams, He's not going to be facing yeah. uh, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks coming at him. He's not going to be throwing at Prince of Mookamore. He's not going to be throwing at Eddie Jackson. He's going to be throwing at other corners and safeties. He's sure. going to be rushed from other yep. players that aren't the best rusher in the league. You know that. that's yeah. what's going to be happening. So you need to look at it, you know, with with a, with with orange and blue glasses. You need to look at it from a perspective that the defense is performing. Kickers are making kicks sometimes, maybe not. And and you know if Trubisky's going to struggle, it's it's the struggles. The struggles are just okay because if the struggles are okay because you're playing the number one defense and you're not going to see that defense. You said that. Yeah. And, but you're not going to see that defense, and you you don't know what they're working on. They're working on installations, and they're working so, on packages. So you're trying to and tell me on... that this is all positive because the Bears have a great defense. I'm just thinking that if it, it, it if you is it okay to wonder like no, I are think... we okay with the struggles here? Mm-mm. No, I think that, that uh, no, I think what is it is okay? is if you if you talk enough, you'll just convince yourself that it's okay. And I think I just proved that. Is that your philosophy with Mitch Trubisky or radio? Yes. Black and Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. I mean, I'm serious. Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, all looking good heading into this season, yet we're getting reports that Trubisky's struggling. I I don't know how to feel about it. Black and Abdallah here. Coming up next, Bill Barnwell has his sleeper teams he's looking at this season in the NFL. Is there a team that you're looking at and you say, you know what, they're probably going to be better than what most people think. We'll talk about sleeper teams in the NFL coming up next. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. 
Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let's go to Wrigley Field and get an in-game update from Jesse Rogers. What's up, Jesse? All right, boys. Cubs lead one nothing. Top of the second. Nicholas Castellanos' first home run as a Cub. An oppo shot in the bottom of the first inning to put the Cubs up one nothing. Looks like a great addition to this team. Meanwhile, Kyle Hendricks getting all sorts of light contact so far. Couple strikeouts pop up. Not much happening for the Oakland A's at the plate as he just strikes out uh, to end the second inning as the Cubs lead one nothing on the Castellanos home run. An awful shot to right field. Back to you guys. You're listening to my man's and them, Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can call us at 312-332-3776, or you can tweet at us at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Buck. I'm just saying, if Trubisky's been struggling the last couple of days, I know it's practice, it's training camp, I get it. But wouldn't it be nice to hear some stories, some glowing reviews that are other than him just being a, a nice teammate and cleaning up after himself and, and kind of like the, the obvious things? Wouldn't you like to hear that he's throwing lasers out there and he's, he, oh, the offense actually just scored 31 unanswered points on this vaunted defense. Wouldn't that be nice to hear that? I mean, you, you hear and see the stories about Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold here in camp. Can we get some Trubisky love? I, w- I Yeah, I, I would because I remember when um, the first day of practice – and they announced this thing where Matt Nagy would blow the whistle and then everybody would leave the field except for Trubisky, a wide receiver, and a corner or safety or someone in the defensive backfield, right? And it was Kyle Fuller against Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson won. And everybody was like, see, that's my quarterback. And then I did the, yeah, but Kyle Fuller got beat. So, I, I mean, do I mind it? No, because I like my defense crispy. So I'm fine with it. What was that? I like my defense crispy. And that's how I wanted to, what I wanted you, to be crisp. What did you do with your hand there as you said that? Crispy. That was weird. It's a crispy defense. Some, you did something there. Crispy defense. All right, Don't so play I, that. That went over. Uh, People are going to be talking about the crisp. <laughs> Listen, it was, Eddie Jackson is going to pick someone off in a game, and I'm going to get crispy defense tweets. Watch. Yeah, I know. Watch. It's going to happen. My people are out there. Crispy defense people. I just want the crispy defense movement to start. All right. Well, there you have it. At 7.32 on a Monday night. The birth of the crispy defense. ESPN.com today. Bill Barnwell has the five teams most likely to improve in the 2019 season. Mm -hmm. Number one on the list, the San Francisco 49ers. Last year, they went 4-12. and Uh, They uh, Pythagorean expectation wins was 5.8. So they should have won more. Uh, and as you take a look at their projected strength of schedule coming into this season, the 15th easiest. Mm-hmm. Last year in games decided by seven points or fewer, they were three and five. And most importantly for the 49ers, they get their quarterback back. Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt in the third game against the Chiefs. He tore his ACL. Up until that point, most people last season, if we go back, rewind to this point in time last year in the summer, Everyone was saying that the 49ers were going to be a sleeper contender to win the NFC West. Mm -hmm. Their quarterback goes down the season shot, but they were a competitive team. Remember remember Nick Mullins? Yeah. He was out there playing great football, even though, you know, like 
He's not supposed to. So Kyle, Kyle Shanahan and what the 49ers put together, uh, I kind of agree with Bill Barnwell. This is a team to watch heading into this next season. I think if you're looking for a team that's going to win the most games compared to what they won the season before, that this is probably the number one pick just based on the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. And yeah, like you mentioned, Nick Mullins was cool for a couple games, but any backup quarterback that comes in is usually okay for a couple games until there's tape and defenses are like, all right, we figured you out. We've got you. So yeah, he can be he can be the difference maker. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy? This is a few seasons now where Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been healthy and you start to question whether or not this guy is injury prone or these are just freak accidents. And I think that if you if you get a full season out of him, then yeah, they can be that sleeper team. But now I'm starting to question the guy's health at this point. That's fair. I, I think that's a fair thing to question because in, in football and in sports in general, until you see someone at consistently go out there and perform, you have to question the health, mm-hmm. right? Like that that's just what it is until you're there showing up and being accountable. Yeah. Um I like the over on that. I mean, it's eight in Vegas. On Caesars uh, website right now, they have eight wins for the total for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they go over on that because I agree with all of this idea that Bill Barnwell has on ESPN.com. The Tampa Bay Bucks they went 5-11 and last year. Uh, Pythagorean expectation was at 6.5 wins. Uh, record in games decided by seven or fewer points, they were 3-6. and six. Projected strength of schedule, they have the seventh toughest which might set you back, but remember, Bruce Arians, if you're a gambling fan, he is a head coach to stick by because he always has his foot down on the throttle, mm-hmm. on the on the accelerator, mm-hmm. and his teams like to put up points, and he manufactures points, which keeps them in games. I like Bruce Arians. What do you think about the Tampa Bay Bucks? I think this come down, comes down to one question. How much do you trust Jameis Winston? Can Bruce Arians be the answer for Jameis Winston? And I think that if he is the answer, then yeah, I could see them going over their win total and being a sleeper team. But if he's not, then you could see another five, six win season just because they're not able to manufacture points because he's not the guy. And then they move on and they try to find someone else. So to me, it's going to be on uh, it's 100% on Jameis Winston and what Bruce Arians can get out of them. I think he can be good. I think Jameis Winston has potential, but ultimately, I haven't really seen that much to put him into that that upper category of quarterbacks. So I don't think. I mean, it's it's a tougher division. So I don't think that they've got you know uh, uh, that great of a shot. We're talking sleeper teams in the NFL heading into this season. Chris Black and Am Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Bill Barnwell writes the next team, the New York Jets. They were four and twelve last year. Pythagorean expectation at 5.4 wins. Recording games decided by seven points or fewer. They were one in five. Not good. Their projected strength of schedule, the second easiest. You have a young quarterback, Sam Darnold, in his second year with an offensive-minded head coach in Adam Gase. What do you think about the Jets heading into this season? Well, I think Sam Darnold's got a chance to be a very good quarterback. I think if you look at uh, their division, you know, the Dolphins have already said they're basically tanking this season and they're not going to win very many games. Like you mentioned, they have a very easy schedule with the Bills and the, and, you know, the, uh, the, they played Miami twice. Like I said, they've got the Redskins in here. They've got the Bengals. They've got, you know, winnable games, but ultimately it's, You've got to get past New England, and I think New England's going to win that division. Can they get a wild card spot? I don't know if this team in the AFC, because the AFC is pretty loaded. I don't know if they can 
do enough to get a wild card spot. I think they can be a contender for a wild card spot, but I don't think they're coming close to winning the division yet, just yet. I think that you still got to get through the New England Patriots, obviously, and uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that just this season. Next team on Bill Barnwell's list on ESPN.com, the New York Giants. They were 5-11 and last season. Their Pythagorean expectation was seven wins. Uh, record games decided by seven points or fewer. They were 4-8 and eight last year. They played a lot of those games. Projected strength of schedule, the fifth easiest. Odell Beckham Jr. is gone. Eli Manning is still there. What do you think about the Giants hanging into this season? What, what? No, no shot. No shot whatsoever. No, no Saquon Barkley love. He could carry the team on what, his he, back. He's going to carry the ball 70 times a game? Yeah, like, I think, what is I think he, that's the idea. Yes. Yes. They're going to wear him into the ground. Yes. No, I don't. Yes. I mean, look, their schedule is, is very easy, but ultimately... Unless Saquon's going to be the entirety of the offense, because I don't think Eli Manning's got anything left, then I don't see them being able to do anything. I I, I don't agree with this either. I don't think the Giants are going to be a sleeper team. I also think that division is too tough Yeah, with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jets, uh, I could see them improving, but I don't think that's going to be a sleeper playoff team. The one team that I have skipped over conveniently on this Bill Barnwell list is the team that I think has the best chance to be the sleeper pick for everyone this season in the NFL. It's the Carolina Panthers. They were 7-9 and nine last season. Pythagorean expectation was at 7.8. Record in games decided by 7 points or fewer, 2-7. and seven. They played a lot of those games. Projected strength of schedule, the 12th toughest. But think about this with the Carolina Panthers. Last season... They were 6-2, and two, and then they lost seven in a row towards the end of the season. They were 11th in offensive DVOA with Cam Newton hurt. He is supposed to be healthy this season. They're going through the motions here in training camp, trying to get him to the start of the season healthy, working him back into shape. But I think Cam Newton, the Carolina Panthers, that is a team that no one is talking about that has the ability to get to the playoffs in a division that is a, a bit hyped. I know we covered the, the Buccaneers. But think about the Saints. Aren't they a likely candidate to maybe take a step back from from last season? And then also you look at what the Falcons have to offer. I think no one's talking about the Panthers, and I think they're a great option as a sleeper team. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's ultimately going to come down to Cam Newton's health. Can he stay healthy? Can he take those hits? Can he change the way he is as a quarterback and not try to be – I'm not saying he's a run-first quarterback, but he's a run-very-often quarterback. If he can kind of change his approach to the game so he can preserve his health and preserve uh, the years he has left in the game, then absolutely. He, when he is operating on full potential, he's an MVP player. Absolutely. He's one of the most dynamic players in the game. Right. He's one of the biggest threats in the NFL because of his legs. But because of using his legs, and we've talked about it with Mitchell Trubisky and how he's a tuck-and-run type of quarterback as well, you kind of worry about what the longevity of that is going to be. And he's had injuries because of his running in the past, and that's kind of concerning for me. If he can stay healthy, for sure. They're a sleeper team. Absolutely. But are, is anybody sleeping on Cam Newton? I think people are. I think people see the age. They, they see are. what he did recently, and they say... He's past his prime. He's not going to be any good anymore. You know, and then I look at Andrew Luck, who was hurt two years ago, comes back last year. He's fantastic. Why can't Cam Newton do the same thing this season? I, I if I if I had to rank them, I would go Panthers, 49ers, and then a team that I think is a sleeper, even though they were a playoff team last year, but no one's talking about the Baltimore Ravens. 
I think the Ravens are stacked, mm-hmm. and as long as they get competent quarterback play from Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. I think they're going to win their d- division as well. I mean, those are three teams I have my eye on. Uh, you're forgetting my my sleeper team, Chris. My sleeper team is different from all the teams you have mentioned because of their one main upgrade. They have they're they're very they're very Bears like, and the Bears hope to not be this team this year. The Bears hope to not be that first to worst team. Yeah, you're, I they know who to you're not talking about. Be the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. That is my sleeper team. They had the third, the eighth best DVOA defense in the league last year. They had the third best special teams ranked in DVOA last season. They had the 30th worst. They had the worst <laughs> they had the worst offense in the league last season. Now, they have Nick Foles. They have Nick Foles who is who can prove that he's not just a system quarterback. He has who who can come in. He's got Leonard Fournette that he can rely on. You've got playmakers all over that defense defense now that Yannick Ngakwe has signed his uh his, a new deal and has ended his holdout. You've got Jalen Ramsey on this team. I think that it's a tough division because you've got the Texans and the Colts in there, but I think that the Jaguars can make a run at a, at the division and also the and if not at least a wild card because I think all these teams are going to beat up on each other. I think the Colts are the class that division. And then I think that the um, because the defense is so much better, the Jaguars' defense is better than the Texans. I think that makes them kind of even. Obviously, Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Nick Foles right now. But I think that the the you make that up on defense. And we've seen it here in Chicago. If you have a defense that can keep you in games, you just have to have a capable quarterback that can drive the ball down the field. And Nick Foles has proven that he can do it with the Eagles. Can he do it with a different team? I think he'll be able to, especially with Leonard Fournette to rely on. So I think that... To me, the Jaguars are that other sleeper team that you can kind of maybe they're not going to be the last in the division this year. I think the Titans are going to be the last team in that division this year. Three one two three three two three seven seven six is the phone number. Who do you think will be a sleeper team in the NFL this season and why? You can also tweet at us at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We'll read your responses. Tell us the team that you think will be a sleeper team in the NFL and why, and we'll read it on the air. Coming up next, Tom Brady signed a new deal over the weekend. Just he's just gonna hang around, right? And and play forever. That's next. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN one thousand and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah sing in for Jonathan Hood tonight on ESPN one thousand and the ESPN app. Tom Brady signs a new contract over the weekend. It'll increase his pay by $8 million this season. And Brady's contract is technically a two-year extension though uh, through the 2021 season. But years 2020 and 21 are both void years, a source tells Field Yates, as Tom Brady is back with the Patriots going forward now. And we knew he was going to be there this season, but it, it seems like he is set to play forever, which is a crazy thing to consider and think about in this day and age. That Tom Brady is just going to keep on playing football for the Patriots. That's fine. Let him keep playing. If he's still productive, if he is still, he's gone out of his way to protect to to protect his body and and transform his body to be more adaptive to football. He said he's actually added a little bit of weight this year so he can pad himself and absorb hits a little more. So he has gone out of his way to find out what leads to longevity in at this position and the rules have done him a favor too absolutely and what you, you can't t- hit quarterbacks at all basically yeah 
And that's why you look at guys like Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. These guys are going to play mm-hmm. until their 40s. I know Brady is 40-plus, but the others are going to continue to play. And if you're a Bears fan, you look at Mitch Trubisky. If he's good, theoretically, he could be here as your quarterback for the next 15 years. You know, like That's the idea that it's supposed to work out that way. <laughs> what is that face that you're making? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good thing? Yes, it would be a great okay, thing. Okay. It would be a very good thing. Let's hear from Tom Brady. He was good enough to be here for 15 years, Let's Chris. Let's hear, hear from Tom Brady. Don't say I'm a hater. I said I, I hopefully he's here for 15 years. I agree years. with you. Here's Tom Brady on his longevity. It's really, you know, you got to take care of your body. So I wrote a book on it, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I live by it, and I think it's given me pretty good results. So I try to pass it on to the next generation so they don't have to go on through the same mistakes that I did, but... Um, everyone learns different ways, and um, hopefully I can be an inspiration. You know, that's really what I got a great opportunity to prove to a lot of people that, you know, they didn't think I could do it, and um, hopefully I can. Here's- if it was anyone else, he would get ripped to shreds for being arrogant. Like, he answered the question, well, the but key to success. knows. The, Adam, let me tell you this. The key to success, well, I wrote the book on success. So that's why I know the key to success. Like, that's basically what Brady just said in that soundbite. I have this question. But he's do, so damn charming. Do you... It's the eyes. Do you think that if he wasn't... If he didn't believe in the Patriot way, and what I mean is sacrificing yourself for the good of everybody else, if he had chosen to say, you know what? No, I'm the best quarterback in the league. I'm going to take the most money and I'm going to leave and I'm going to go somewhere else and they're going to pay me a butt ton of money or you're going to pay me all the money and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hold this franchise hostage because of the salary cap. Is he going to do what Joe Flacco did to the Ravens where basically they couldn't do anything else because so much of their cap was going to him? Would he still be in the league at 42 because he'd go to a team that wouldn't be able to revamp his offensive line all the time. He'd go to a, a, a team that wouldn't be able to make all the moves on defense and find these guys like find Randy Moss and get the most out of him in, in one of his last few years. Would he be able to have had this longevity if he would have been the, I'm going to get paid the most money because I'm the best quarterback in the league. But instead, he always makes one of the, not the fewest amount of money in the league as far as quarterbacks go, but it's always a very modest deal because they want to spread that around. He's always spreading his money out so they can add a couple more millions of dollars to get this person or add this. We need this last wide receiver. We need to add this running back. We need to add this piece on defense. Can you extend your, you know, stretch out your money a little bit more for us? I don't know if he'd be still in the league if he would have gone this, not necessarily selfish route, but just the route that other quarterbacks have chosen. He's easily one of the most unique athletes we've ever seen because not only is he great at what he does on the field, but since his spouse is a world-famous model and, and TV person as well, that she makes enough money to allow him to be Tom the teammate. To take the pay cut, right? Like, well, okay, no, you can't no, tell but, me that Joe Flacco's wife needs to be making millions of dollars but, a year too for him to but, not take that up. much if, money. If you're going to sell me that he's such a great person allowing the Patriot way to succeed, let's see it if he's the only income coming into the household. It's different when you have someone who's a megastar yeah, but if, making okay, more you're, than you. I understand if your sole income is, is 60000 a year. Well, and well that's he it, may but, be a greedy quarterback in that situation. His sole income could be $100 million. But my point is... As opposed if, to one hundred and fifty. If it was one, 
you may see a different uh, way that that quarterback would handle it. But instead, he is able to be that great teammate and then take less for the team because they got money. They don't have to worry about it. I get they're all rich, so it doesn't really matter. But I'm saying, like, it's a lot easier when you think of it that way. Don't act like they don't have a prenup. Chris Buck and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Coming up next, the summer of football, and we talk bears right here on ESPN 1000. Oh, what?